Hey, it's Quinn Miners, and you're listening to The Blitz. Welcome back to another episode of The Blitz. I'm your host, John DeBona. My brother from Brooklyn, Anthony DeBona, is not on the show today, but we have a special guest filling in. For the first time, it is just half of the D Blitz crew with a special guest. And it's not just any guest. It is the Rat Pack of Baby Back, the Corn on the Cob Conversationalist, the Potato Salad Podcaster, the member of the Boastful Brisket Brigade. Ladies and gentlemen, bring your seat backs and tray tables to an upright and locked position. It's time for a takeoff. Our friend, Takeoff McFadden, is here, host of Takeoff Tuesdays, the Titan of Tuesday. How you doing, Takeoff? <laughs> What's going on, bro? Paul Heyman would be proud of that intro. Yeah, you have no idea how much time I took at work to uh, do that very important intro. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. But we've we've joked about doing this for a long time. We got the Migos and Marinade together, <laughs> and uh, the Barbecue Bros are. Uh, on a podcast for the first time as you as more than just a guest at the end of the show. So here we are. Um, what a time to be alive. Before I jump into the actual topics, just a reminder, you can follow the podcast at the Blitz Podcast on Twitter, at the Blitz Podcast on Facebook. You can follow Anthony on uh, Twitter at by a Debona. You can follow me on Twitter at Jorge Blanco. That's Jorge, H-O-R-H-A-Y-B-L-A-N-C-O. Don't ask why I spelled it that way. It's a whole bunch of nonsense. But uh, this is episode number 28. We have we took a little hiatus, had some personal things going on, not a whole lot of football news. So we took a break for almost two weeks, but we are back. And we are here with episode 28, the Marshall Falk episode as Anthony likes to name them after uh, players' jersey numbers. So let's start right off the bat. We're going to do mostly football this week. We will probably glance over uh, some basketball game that happened. I don't know. Uh, yeah. As Nets as and Heat fans, we really had no uh, no investment in that. So we'll just glance right over that. Um, so one of the biggest stories this week, or at least the most recent story, is Cam Akers, second-round pick from 2020 from the Rams, tore his Achilles, and will miss the whole season. This happened just two days ago. Apparently, he was training for the season, tore his Achilles. He uh, wasn't a rookie phenom by any stretch early in the year, but he came on really strong later. His season numbers weren't amazing. He had 625 yards for two TDs and 11 receptions for 123 and a touchdown, but he only played in 11 games, and he really was picking up steam as the season went on. He averaged 110.5 yards from scrimmage and one TD. Oh, no, sorry, 110.5 yards and one TD per playoff game just rushing. Um, in his last 11 games, I believe it was, or uh, no, sorry, his last seven games of the season, I know he averaged over 100 yards from scrimmage each game. So they were really counting on him, it felt like, to – kind of take over that number one spot. I know they were probably still going to do a bit of a rotation with Henderson, but him going down is a big blow because, and I know privately Anthony had mentioned that uh, he thinks that they'll just give it to Daryl Henderson and they're not going to sign any big name. But my problem with that is 
their depth chart is really, really, really unproven. It's Daryl Henderson, who's the third round pick from 2019, who had a good year last year, but seemed to, for whatever reason, fall out of favor a bit with the team. Um, he actually finished with only one yard shy of what Akers had, 624. Uh, for more TDs, five TDs. But in seven of his last eight, he fell shy of 50 yards rushing and never got more than 12 attempts. So they seem to definitely like Akers a lot more as the season went on. Um, behind Henderson, all they have is Xavier Jones, who was an undrafted free agent last year and had no offensive stats, and Jake Funk, who is, aside from having one of the best names, a very, a very pretty white boy and who looks like he came straight out to remember the Titans. And he was seventh-round pick this year from Maryland. So, I mean, maybe they think they have hidden gems in those two. Who knows? But I think they have to bring in a veteran. And I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Do you think they're bringing in anybody? Do you think they're going to keep it in-house? What do you think is going on? I think at first they'll probably see what they got because Akers got hurt with – you got, a, what, about a month and some change before the season begins? Yeah. So I guess you can see what you got in these guys, but I feel like you have to bring a veteran in, especially you traded for Matthew Stafford. You're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. So you're in win now mode. So I think you need to bring in whether it's Adrian Peterson or you kick the tires on Le'Veon Bell or Edo Smith or one of these veteran guys that are out there and see what they got because you can't tell me you're going forward with these guys right here. That's what I was wondering as far as – I think they have to bring in a veteran. I don't know how old the veteran's going to be or how banged up the veteran's going to be. But I don't think you want a guy in his third year and then two essentially rookies because one was undrafted last year and barely played. I don't think you want – and there was no real offseason. I don't think yeah. you really want that. I think you want at least a veteran in the room to help out with things. I know you had mentioned Bell as one one of the possible names. I think that's a guy who could definitely be in play. Because I'm sure at this point in his career, he probably wants a ring. And like you said already, the Rams are definitely in win-now mode. I know he might just be done, even though it really sucks because he's only 27. But Todd Gurley... Oh, he's only 27? No, no, no. Bell's 29. Oh, okay. Bell's 29. Um, but Todd Gurley's only 27. And okay. a reunion there, I feel like, would make some sense as far as him being familiar with the system. Um, if he's going to get to split time, there's obviously a lot less pressure on him. But, but they ended did, on bad terms, no? That's what I, I couldn't really remember exactly how the split happened. I didn't know if it was just an injury thing or what it was. I know he didn't have a great year in Atlanta last year either. But I just feel like if they want a veteran presence, that's a name they could turn to potentially. Well, um, yeah, because he knows the system, so it's not like he has to get adjusted anything. It's literally <laughs> plug him yeah. in and play. <laughs> the only thing I'll say as far as – because I know I was I, – I, I originally mentioned knowing the system too. But I guess it is early enough in the offseason that you can bring in basically anybody and they would have a full training camp to learn the system. Yeah. It's beneficial. You never, well, you never want anybody to get hurt, but if they're going to get hurt, it's almost better for it to happen now than, you know, a couple of games into the year when they don't really have the camp and the preseason to get ready. Yeah, and I mean, we did see James Robinson come off the street and rush for a 1,000 yards, so it's possible. Yeah, and speaking of him, I actually uh, – I brought up – I made two lists. I was trying to see who some of the best potential free agents were and who the best potential trade um, partners they can get. So for free agents, we already said Le'Veon Bell is 29, Todd Gurley is 27. 
Duke Johnson still out there. He's just 27. John DeAndre Washington is 28, and Devontae Freeman is 29. Although he got another injury with the Giants last year. Listen, his body, his body, his body might as well be 41. Yeah, really. Um, but as far as trade partners, there are some teams that have some depth where if the Rams wanted to, I know they don't really have a first rounder, but you're not giving up a first rounder generally for a running back anyway. Yeah. So if they wanted to throw, you know, a fourth or fifth or maybe even later for some of the guys out there, there are some names I think they could look into. Some of these names that I'm going to mention might cost a little bit higher, might even be as high as a second or a third. But I think with Indy, you could look at uh, Naheem Hines or Marlon Mack potentially if they're willing to part with one of those guys. You have uh, Alexander Madison from Minnesota. It's not bad. Uh, Latavius Murray from New Orleans. A guy that I love and would be a Memphis reunion with Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard from the Cowboys. I still think Tony Pollard, not that he's going to be a star, but I just love that guy as a number two running back anywhere. Um, Sticking with my own team, you have Corey Clement or Devontae Booker from the Giants. I think the Giants would be willing to part with either of them for, you know, a later draft pick, I would imagine, even yeah. though they just brought them both in. Then you have Gus Edwards in Baltimore, who might be a little bit harder to pry away. You have James Robinson in Jacksonville, who's a bit of a wild card, because like you said, came off the street really as a nobody, but had a good year, but then they drafted ETN in the first. So they clearly aren't that high on him, unless they just plan on, you know, two-headed monster. I feel like it's probably going to be like an Ingram Kamara thing with the both of them. Yeah, I mean it definitely could be. I don't, I don't necessarily think they're just going to punt on Robinson, but you already had one great running back in Tim Tebow, and now you're uh, and you and Robinson. So, <laughs> and just one last name to throw out there is uh, Sony Michelle from New England, who I think could maybe be a dark horse as they seem to like Damian Harris. Sony Michelle still exists, uh, supposedly. <laughs> he was on a list. That I saw. I was thinking about Houston because if I'm not mistaken, Houston has David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Mark Ingram. Yeah, Houston has everybody. I was gonna mention Lindsay, and then I forgot that he had moved because I was thinking Lindsay was still in Denver, just being buried on that depth chart, which to me would have been a match made in heaven. But I think Houston's gotta like him because that kid has so much potential. He's really good. I just don't understand. Well, he's playing behind Melvin Gordon, but I don't understand why he would sign with Houston when they have when they they already had. Um, David Johnson, and then they signed Mark Ingram. I didn't see the point of him signing with them. Money, 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 money. Well, there's that. There's no way. One of them has to be getting cut during the preseason. I can't see all three of them on the roster. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a lot of times when you see that, like, oh, we'll throw a sixth or seventh rounder at you just to get the guy before he's cut and know that he'll be on our roster, which could always happen. And I feel like Ingram would. Pro- Ingram is probably going to be the one to get cut. Maybe, but uh, I don't know. He's I didn't even realize they had him, but they may just want with that team being so young and weirdly assembled, they may want his veteran presence there. I don't know, but uh, another running back who we didn't talk about on this list but still wants to play football and could make some sense here, especially if they just want a guy who. Seems to be okay being on the bench at this point in his career and just coming in when he needs to. That's Adrian Peterson, who said to Aaron Wilson of Sportsbook 790, his body feels good and he's ready to play. He's just waiting for a call. He had a decent year last year. He actually still somehow finished with 604 yards and 3.9 per carry. 
where Akers had 4.3 and Henderson had 4.5. So there actually isn't an insane drop-off from Peterson the way that you would think there would be. So I wonder if that would always be a cheap flyer they can take, too. Listen, I would do it. Adrian Peterson, to me, has shown no signs of slowing down like you would think. Of, what is he, 45 years old, still playing running back? Uh, 53, I think, last check. And he's still decent because I definitely picked him up a couple times off the waiver wire in fantasy, and he bailed me out. So he's old, I, this way. Adrian Peterson is old enough to think beating a kid with a switch is perfectly normal. Well, there's that. <laughs> you know he's got some some uh, tread on those tires. But uh, switching gears for a second to somebody else who doesn't actually beat people up but try to beat up the door. Okay. This is flashing back about, I guess, a little over a week at this point, but we haven't had an episode in a little while. Yeah. Uh, July 14th, Richard Sherman arrested at six, uh, arrested and booked at six six oh eight a.m. at King County Correctional in Seattle on suspicion of burglary, domestic violence, resisting arrest, and malicious, malicious mischief. That's a fun tongue twister. <laughs> as well as possible DUI and hit and run for an earlier event. So... I think this caught everybody off guard because love him or hate him, I think we all thought Richard Sherman was like the ultimate upstanding citizen in the NFL. The guy, sure. the guy always seems to have a great head on his shoulders. He always seems to know what he's talking about. He like, he's on the players association. He doesn't seem to ever be somebody who you would expect to be in trouble for anything. But when the details like if this first came out, like I said, I, I read the headline of burglary, domestic violence. And something just sounded off when I heard that. Because I was like, that doesn't sound like he just hauled off and like hit his wife or girlfriend like a lot of players would. That sounded like something different to me. So the details started to leak. And the then, of course, the 911 call came out with it from his wife, which that was just all around screwed up and depressing. That dispatcher can go to hell. Well, on the bright side, she's apparently being investigated now. Not that that necessarily means anything will happen to her. But, yeah, she had some of the worst, like, tone I've ever heard on a phone call. I said it at the time, but she basically had the tone of somebody who's, like, clocking out of work in two minutes was the way that basically. she was thinking. Or, like, if you're working the register and the store's about to close any minute now. Like, all right, just, yeah, 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 just get through it. Give me the stuff. Get out. Like, that's how she kind of treated her on the phone, which like, at first not- I- Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was like, like, there's not a 6'3", 225-pound NFL player trying to knock down this door and whoop my uncle's ass. But no, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You take your time and get the information that you need. My life's not in danger. And that's the thing, because at first I wanted to – my natural inclination was like, all right, let me hear this. This can't be that bad. So, Because I know that a lot of times 911 dispatchers have to be kind of rude because like, people are in their most panicked, worried – like frantic state, and you could tell that Sherman's wife was. And you need to get the essential information right away. Like, give me the address, give me the name, whatever. Like, get the essential details. Is there a weapon involved? What's going on? Yeah. Um, and she seemed like she was trying to, like, his wife was really good with, like, he does not have a weapon. He's saying he wants to kill himself. He says he wants to fight police, because that was one of the things that she was, like, kind of hesitant to say. And I understand why. you don't. Nobody wants their husband to get killed. Yeah, but she, I feel like she was good with like giving the details of like, yeah, he says he wants to fight the cops, but he doesn't have a weapon, so please don't shoot him. And 
the problem was I didn't at any point hear an address on there, which is like the biggest thing that you would think you would need in a 911 call unless they could like ping it with GPS or whatever. But I would I would assume they would have to because the fact that that wasn't the first thing she asked. Yeah. And that that's what kind of bothered me about the call too. And like I said, maybe with GPS nowadays they don't need it. Yeah. But even then I would even then I would think they would because you could be calling from somewhere about a you know what I mean? Like about something that's not happening at that location or like she said he was trying to leave the house and drive away. Yeah. So if that's the case, I feel like you want to find out where they are, where they're going to. But that's what really bothered me most about her call too was that like at no point does the dis- does that does the dispatcher say, "Oh, well, give me the address. Let me see what's going on." Whatever. It's very much like short and like I'm gonna tell you I'm the dispatcher. You're gonna listen to me, honey. Like that sort of like tone. And I'm glad that she's at least getting investigated. Hopefully, she at minimum gets a write up. Probably should get at least suspended. Yeah, I'm not gonna say she should lose Maybe her job, yeah. but you definitely gotta yeah, get suspended because I mean, that's that's not how you're supposed to move as a dispatcher. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, too. Like, obviously, with everything, you don't know the situation. Maybe the dispatcher was on, like, I don't know if they can work doubles or whatever, but maybe she was in a bad headspace. But you still have to be better than that as a dispatcher. Like, she didn't say anything that was, like, directly wrong. She didn't, like, tell her to go call somebody else or I don't care or anything like that. But no, she it was just, just her tone, seen, like, how you talk yeah, to people. Really, really terrible tone. Like, we both work in schools. If either of us talked to anybody like that, I feel like we'd be fired. Oh, absolutely. So, but that happened. But the details of it were really what gets sad. Um, she said that Sherman drank two bottles of liquor, which drink, drinking even one full bottle is not a great idea. But drinking two, you're basically saying, yeah, I want to meet God today. Well, it depends on the two. It was Hennessy and vodka. So, yeah, he was trying to meet God. Yeah. and But I think dr- drinking two full bottles of anything is a bad idea. Unless you're saying two bottles of beer. If you're drinking two bottles of hard liquor, you're looking for a, a bad night. Well, Let's I've done it, it just with a group of people. I've never drank two bottles alone. Oh, no, no, no. If you're, <laughs> a, if you're with a group of people, for sure, if you're in your own home and you've drank personally two bottles, uh, needless to say, things are probably not going great for you that day. No, absolutely. I, 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 I think I would need help and I should call someone. <laughs> And that, that's the thing that was really sad, though. She said that he was talking about killing himself and this and that. And maybe that's part of, too, when it comes into, like, fighting the cops is, you know, I know suicide by cop is a thing where there are people sometimes who want to take their life but don't want to actually take the step themselves. So they do what they can to get themselves killed, basically. Yeah. Um, it sounds like if she wasn't as good as she was, that that could have very well been the case with Sherman. Also, if Sherman, I mean, not for nothing, Sherman's a very distinct individual to see. I feel like you're not going to get Richard Sherman confused with a lot of people. He's, what, 6'3", has the dreads. It's not like... And it was in Seattle, so people know yeah. who the hell Richard Sherman is. So I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't so think that, been quick I mean, that definitely works in his favor, too. But uh, they did end up having to use dogs on him to take him down, they said. Oh, really? Yeah. They, uh, they said they had to use a dog on him because he did try to fight off the cops. But they eventually got him in and... Uh, the judge ended up releasing him and basically said as much as, like, well, release him until trial. But with some restrictions, I know he's not allowed uh, certain driving privileges. He's supposed to avoid alcohol. I think he has to um, avoid her family. I think there's a restraining order or something from that. So all around, it's a really sad situation. But for this much, like, we've heard about a lot of these incidents. 
but there was so much video and audio of this. I think that's what really makes it even worse on top of it just being that Sherman is a surprise himself. Yeah. Like, there's the audio of the 911 call. Then there's the video of him trying to break down the door. Because that's the thing, too. He eventually leaves the house and ends up driving to his in-laws now and is trying to break down their door because they won't let him in. And you literally see in the video him, like, taking a running – like, basically the way you would think, like, a like a riot – cop would if they didn't have the whatever that thing is, the battering ram. Like, he just goes full sh- like shoulder first into the door, trying to break the door down, like, four or five times before he finally stops. And so, it's just a really sad situation. Like I said, I don't know if it's CTE, if it's him not being signed, if there's, you know, deeper personal stuff that we don't know about, or whatever the case may be. I but, honestly feel like it's definitely him not being signed mixed with whatever personal issues he got going on. Maybe it is CTE. But I think for sure it's definitely not being signed and personal. Because think about it. If he was signed, I don't think he would have time to be drinking Henny and vodka. Yeah. I mean, I know being unsigned has got to be part of it, especially because he's always been a guy who's been very, like, boisterous. He's Like I said, he's never seemed like a bad guy, but he's always been a guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder and seems to have a bit of an ego about himself, even though he seems like a genuinely good person before this. But, and especially, he's a year removed from being in the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. Like, 2019, yeah. Richard Sherman, I, I think, I'm not sure, was he all pro? He might have been. But I know I don't for know sure they... For San Fran, I know he had a really good year. Yeah, he he was in the Pro Bowl, and they made the Super Bowl, and he had a really good year after everybody thought he was crazy for being his own agent and making his deal incentive-based, and he hit every incentive. Yeah, that's, that's still wild to me, just the fact that, like, that's one, and then uh, I forget who it was, but the tackle from Carolina who, like, converted half a salary to Bitcoin and cashed out at, like, a much higher rate. Yeah. There's always, like, weird stuff like that with me with players, but it's like, you know what? Good on you. If you could figure out your own deal and you could call Nassib your uh, finances, then go for it. I mean, Thurman went to Stafford, so he's not – he's definitely not a dumb guy. But I just hope Sherm gets whatever help that he needs. I – I'm I'm pretty sure his days in the NFL. I, I think it might be over. Yeah, it's. I mean, because he plays DB, it's a little. It's tough because he's. I didn't realize until I read the story. He's my age, so I'm 32, and I don't feel that old. But I know in football, I'd be a, a dinosaur basically at this point. <laughs> Especially a DB. That's, yeah, that's. I would say that's the thing. There's certain positions like if you're offensive line, sometimes defensive line. Some of the quarterback for sure. Those spots you're 32, it's not really a game changer. But if you're a running back and your name's not Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore, or you're a DB and you're not ready to convert to a safety, you basically might as well pack your bags. But I think we might see him in the NFL again just because he does he does still, at least in theory, bring a lot of leadership to a team. And the guy won a Super Bowl, made two other Super Bowls. I think there's value to him, especially if he is willing to convert and maybe play safety down the line. But like you said, he definitely needs help first, whether that's counseling or I don't know if he needs substance abuse treatment or whatever the case may be. But he definitely needs help. And, yeah, I'm sure we hope he gets it. I mean, I could see him on either Dallas or the 49ers because of the coaching ties there because he's got Dan Quinn in Dallas and Saleh in New York. Yeah, both of those would make a lot of sense. Uh, I feel like less so for the Jets just because the Jets aren't in win-now mode. And I think even with his sort of, like, desire to play, I think Sherman probably still wants a team that's a little bit more ready to win now. That's why I think Dallas could make a lot of sense. Or, you know, just go to Kansas City like everybody else does. 
<laughs> Every, yeah, everybody else ends up there too. Or, or, or Tampa, because you know everybody signs with Tampa. Tom Brady needs more help, man. What are you gonna do? He needs help You're on right. defense. He needs help on offense. He needs help on special teams. You're right. It's still amazing to me that the Bucks are returning all 22 starters. That's, That's insane. I I don't know if that. I mean, I guess it's. I'm sure it's happened at some point in the past, but I can't think of the last time a Super Bowl winner returned all 22. Because in football, you're gonna lose somebody, right? Of, of course. We both we just, both went through. We, we both saw our teams win Super Bowls, so we know that the team does not come back exactly the same. Oh man! Although mine was so freaking close in 2008, that still that still bugs me to no end. That the Giants were. Uh, I don't know if they were undefeated, but I know they were rolling and looking like they were definitely going to repeat before Plax went and shot himself in the leg. Moron. Crazy thing is, I'm more upset that he wore sweatpants to the club more than he shot himself. (laughs) Mm. People make mistakes, but you wore sweatpants to the club. I'm more upset at that. If you're wearing sweatpants to the club, you might as well just add the fanny pack as the latest trend I've learned from the New York Post. Uh, I, have two, I, I have two fanny packs, so I don't, don't, <laughs> don't talk about the fanny packs like that. I like them. So, but uh, yeah. if, if you were going to perhaps bring a firearm into a an establishment, maybe maybe uh, bring a fanny pack if you're going to be wearing sweatpants and just go go the full look. <laughs> All right, so we have a couple more stories to get to. This one's kind of old hat, but also new information on it. The latest in the Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay drama. So according to Schefter, Green Bay was going to make Aaron Rodgers the highest paid quarterback in football by extending him two more years, reportedly for north of $45 million per year to keep him in Green Bay ultimately for the next five. And he turned that down, which to me feels insane. Because even if another team trade for him now, to give him a five-year deal, I don't see anybody doing that. Unless it's, you know, the last well, I mean, couple of years are all options or whatever. A five-year deal would take him to, what, 43? I mean, yeah, I think so. He's 38 right now, right? So. And he's still a top-five quarterback in the league and shown no signs of slowing down. So, I mean, I see Aaron Rodgers playing another five years unless, God forbid, he gets injured, but... I see Aaron Rodgers playing out the length of a five-year deal. That just shows you how fed up he is with Green Bay, that he would turn down being the highest-paid player in the league. Yeah, it's it's insane to me that he did. I don't, but I don't. I just don't know what he wants. Does he just flat out want out, no matter what they do? Does he want more say in personnel? Is he saying like trade Jordan Love and get me some linemen or get me some weapons? I just don't know what he wants because I feel like just saying flat out like I don't want to be here anymore seems strange especially because it's not like it is a team that has that one owner where you're like this is the guy that i just hate as opposed to like if you're in dallas and you just hate jerry jones no matter what like what happens then yeah okay you you go out but green bay literally doesn't have an owner they have the fan base owns the team so are you just not an executive like i don't know it's so strange to me but but to me, usually we, we all know this in the end of it. Money usually fixes everything. So for the fact that he turned down that money, you to me, you have no choice but to trade him now. Yeah, well, the other thing that I heard that was a little weird is I forget where because I didn't write it down. I heard somebody at one point this week saying that 
there was a rumor that he actually wanted them to shorten the contract. That he basically would play for them for, I guess, another, I guess, whatever, whatever it would be, either one or two years, but didn't want to be tied to them for three plus, it seems like. And that, to me, is really interesting because if you're Green Bay, that almost feels like the dream scenario. It's like, if Aaron Rodgers wants to make this now a two-year deal, let's say, I'd do that in a heartbeat because now I get MVP level Aaron Rodgers for next year, and then I have one full year to evaluate Jordan Love and then go from there. Like, I know it's a little scary because then you may risk losing Rodgers for nothing, but you did draft Jordan Love in the first, so if you have any faith in him eventually being the guy, I think you give Rodgers his one last hurrah and go from there. I can't see Green Bay... I don't see the benefit really for Green Bay to trade Rodgers if they can have him for even one more year. Because I think the the hope of winning a Super Bowl with him, even though I'm not as high on the Packers as everybody else, but the hope even. of winning a Super Bowl with Rodgers, to me, outweighs getting a couple of first-rounders, let's say, for moving them. I don't think Jordan Love can play. I don't know how anybody knows, though. There were literally no preseason games. I don't think he took a single regular season snap. Because I know, like he might look terrible in practice, sure. But I think I'm not even going off that. Look bad in practice and then play in games. Like I don't know. I'm just like if he could play. Like first of all, you drafted him because you thought Aaron Rodgers was declining, and now he wants out after winning MVP and going to the NFC Championship game again. If he could play. Okay, obviously you're not going to be 13 and three with Jordan Love, but if you felt confident in Jordan Love, you'd move Aaron Rodgers. Like the Chiefs knew, the Chiefs knew Alex Smith could play, but they were but, confident in Patrick Mahomes. But here's the difference to me. I don't. I'm, I may be mistaken. I don't think Jordan Love took a snap this year, right? At least Pat Mahomes had that last game of the year where he went off and looked crazy yeah. before they moved on from Alex Smith. But also, Pat Mahomes had a preseason to play too. That's true. Where, I think at least. I can't remember if he was hurt that year. I don't think he was. But they literally haven't even seen Jordan Love in a preseason game. If they had a preseason last year and it was like, oh, Jordan Love just stunk it up in every preseason game, or if they were doing like inter squad practices with another team, because I know like both the Giants and Eagles, I think, have practices this year scheduled with teams that they play in camp or that they play in the preseason, then I'd, I'd get it. I'd be like, yeah, okay, Jordan Love, definitely not the guy. But I feel like, how can you say Love's not the guy? I think it's just more of a matter of nobody expected Rodgers to be that good again. And I didn't either because I felt like he's always banged up. Like, he's always good when he plays. But I felt like he was always banged up. And I thought injuries alone would be sort of like the end of his career. But after last year, who the hell knows? And then I, 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 I wouldn't have taken, especially in that wide receiver heavy draft, there's no way in hell I was t- taking a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, I think that's where they ultimately screwed the push with Rodgers. I get from – I get to a degree what they were thinking because, like I said, I thought Rodgers was on the decline too. If you're the Packers and this year, at least as far as last year, wasn't cons- – or no, no, because this year had Lawrence actually, so I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. But I feel like beyond Lawrence, people weren't crazy about this year's class. So I think if you really thought Love had that potential, then you have no choice. But – it is just very odd. And also, no. I think what's, what's, what's playing a role in this whole Aaron Rodgers thing yeah. is, Tom, is Tom Brady. You think it's a coincidence that Tom Brady goes to Tampa, makes a million demands, they give him everything he wants, they win a Super Bowl, and then the following summer, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers like, nah, get the hell out of here. 
<laughs> I want I want to do what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I say Tom Tom Brady did uh maybe spark the super team era in the NFL. Or not even super teams, or at least just guys moving like LeBron, like the star yeah. player making demands. But at least Seattle listened to Russell Wilson. They went and got a couple linemen. They went and got Gerald Everett. They listened. Green Bay literally does nothing in free agency. <laughs> literally, Aaron Rodgers is keeping that team from being Detroit. <laughs> no, Aaron Rodgers. Have... Right, maybe not Detroit because no one's that terrible. But I was gonna say they have they have some weapons. They're like to me that, but that's where I thought I think it's weird when people talk about the trade. To me, if you take Aaron Rodgers off of Green Bay. Green Bay is where Denver is right now, is the way that I look at it. And that's, that's why I don't comparison. think and I that's why I don't think him going to Denver is oh man, Denver's now a favorite. I think Denver would be a, a definite favorite to make the playoffs, but I still can't take Denver over Kansas City. I still can't take Denver in the Super Bowl over Tampa. I don't I don't see that there because I feel like they're a very similar situation to what Green Bay is right now. I don't see Green Bay winning a Super Bowl. I don't see Green Bay taking out Tampa. So, I don't know. But if he does get moved, where do you think he would go? Where would you like to see him go? Well, I was I was watching the herd yesterday, and Cowherd listed five teams that he think would be good fits for Rodgers, and it was the Dolphins, the Steelers, the Saints, and the Giants. Oh, and, and Washington. That was the fifth team. And Washington. And it's going to pain me to say it because y'all in my goddamn division. <laughs> the team y'all got right now, if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, I would be petrified. See, as a as a Giants fan, I don't I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I'd be sad if they got Aaron Rodgers for sure. But I just don't know if I trust and I know Rodgers is mobile and a hell of a lot better on the run throwing the ball than Jones has been to this point in his career. I just don't know if the line is good enough to keep Rodgers upright and keep him healthy is my only thing. Because like I said, Rodgers has been banged up in the past. And yeah. I I love our weapons, don't get me wrong, and that's going to be another conversation we're going to get into. But I just don't know if I trust and – I, and I have a lot of faith in the line. I think the line is going to be improved just with time and hopefully experience. I just don't think Rodgers behind our line is all that terrifying. I think it makes the Giants for sure a favorite in the NFC East. It would put them maybe as number two overall behind Tampa in the NFC period. But I don't know. Like I said, that offensive line is still a big question mark to me. But now, me personally, where I'd want to see him, yeah, is New Orleans. Is New Orleans. That would be that would be something else. I don't. Again, like, but that's the thing. I don't, does anybody have the cap space to just flat out absorb him? I don't even know if that exists at this stage in the year. Probably not. I would think anybody would have to make some moves to free up money. Um, with Aaron Rodgers, with Sean Payton, and playing indoors eight times. You know who I would kill to see him on, but we'll never, ever see it? Go across the division, put him on the Vikings instead of Kirk Cousins, and watch what that team can do. Oh, my goodness. Like Favre? <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Favre all over again? So we'll trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, then the Jets will release him, and he'll end up on Minnesota. Favre was um, beast that year in Minnesota, and then he just woke up old. Yeah, basically. Well, he did good with the Jets, even, but I don't know. Well, I don't he did think good for half the season on the Jets. Yeah, the Raiders could be a fun option just because they're the Raiders, and I don't want any parts of John Gruden. Not well, as long <laughs> as John Gruden is employed there. No, thank you. 
If they didn't just take Trey Lance, San Fran would have made a lot of sense, but they took Lance. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to look at who else has like really good weapons, but quarterback hold. Oh, again, another like, that whole division is basically like good teams, bad quarterback. Chicago, but they also just took Fields, so that's another one that's going to be a no go. Um, Miami would also be interested because I don't think they're fully sold on tour. Oh, they're definitely not. I think Miami would make a ton of sense. That would be a great move for them. I don't know how many picks they have. I think they have a few still, right? They they're like they OKC. Got first. I'm con- I'm convinced the Dolphins never run out of draft picks. Yeah, because that's that's the one good thing that I could finally say sitting here as a Giants fan is like, hey, we finally got the ammo to like outbid just about everybody. I think except for like you guys and maybe Miami. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who has like multiple firsts still. Because remember, but, Miami had the ammo to try to go get Watson before all that went down. Yeah. Well, that's that's a move that I think I could really get behind for the Giants. I know there's rumors about him maybe going to Philly. Yeah, I keep seeing but, that, and I pray to God every day. I hope he hears me. <laughs> it's just a little weird to me, him and, him and Philly, because I don't know. I feel like – I don't know if your team is uh, – all that great. Although I did see that Michael Kendricks is back on the street, so maybe you guys can bring him back. The uh, just before we started recording, the news broke that he uh, he got sentenced to one day in jail and a bunch of fines for his insider training stuff. Yeah, I saw that. So he's now well, an option for teams potentially. Well, listen, we're not very good. I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you. But that's what I'm saying. Because, like, I mean, as far as I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Devonte Smith. I was on this show talking about how much I wanted Devonte Smith on the Giants. I think he can be special. I think Ertz still got a little bit left in the tank, whether you keep him or not. I guess we'll see. I think Goddard's really good. And Sanders has shown definitely flashes. Yeah, they but just give him the goddamn ball. But I feel like your defense is so questionable because like you got a great front four and a, a pretty good overall, I'd say front seven, but like your secondary is trash. Yeah, and... it's, literally, it's literally Darius Slay and then Guys in green jerseys. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens with Rodgers, but I feel like there's – I just feel like there's not a ton of options right now with – because that's the problem, too, every time you get past a draft, because then teams want to see what they have in their rookie quarterbacks, and Green Bay is not going to want to take a rookie back, I wouldn't think, with Love being there. Like, if Green Bay was like, oh, we love Lance – then maybe you could do a Lance for Rodgers and then obviously more picks on San Fran's end too. But I doubt Green Bay would be that committed to any young quarterback with, you know, I, what I feel like he ends up playing this because my thing is camp is opening preseasons right around the corner. Who's going to, I don't, I don't see him getting traded right now. Yeah. Like if you were going to trade him, you should have been did that. So with the season right around the corner, I just feel like he's going to play there and it's just going to be awkward. But that's what I was wondering. Like, does he show up eventually? Is it because all I keep thinking in my head is the old Michael Strahan thing of like towards the end of his career, I think it was the year they won the Super Bowl. Strahan just flat out didn't play at all in that preseason, didn't show up for camp at all. And I feel like it was always rumors that it was like, oh, it was a contract issue. It was this, it was that. And he came out after the fact and was just like, no, I just didn't want to be bothered with all that like preseason nonsense. Like, so part of me wonders if ultimately at the end of the day that Rodgers is kind of just that guy. But people have also pointed out too that like 
Rodgers is very much a guy who holds a grudge. Like, he literally doesn't talk to a good chunk of his close family, I think, including his parents and brother. Yeah, I've heard that. So if he's willing to do that to family and people who should be that close to him, then what's he willing to do to Green Bay? Like, is anything sacred? They don't cost you millions to not talk to your parents. Yeah. Might cost you some heartache and some grief, (laughs) but it doesn't cost you millions. I mean, depending on how rich your parents are, but not my parents. Yeah, not my parents. (laughs) <laughs> um, another thing too that Green Bay they're going to lose Devontae Adams because he's already made it clear he's not coming back if, if Aaron Rodgers is not here because he's an impending free agent yeah and, and I was I like, who, could, who could blame him unless unless Jordan Love turns around and just proves everybody wrong and proves he's the goods who could blame Adams like when you when you're playing with I'm, I'm, I don't think I'll ever call Rodgers the best quarterback in football because I just don't think he has the playoff success that I'd want from the best quarterback in football. But a top five, definitely, definitely, maybe top three quarterback in all of football, you don't want to go from that to a rookie with no snaps. Like, Especially when you would literally, like, Devontae Adams is basically a rich kid. All you've known is Aaron Rodgers. You came into the league, that <laughs> yeah. was your quarterback. So and you came not- over me and wag you beef to ramen noodles. It and not for nothing. Like Going from living in, and I'm not saying like neighborhood wise, but living weather wise, you're going from Fresno to Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> Who wants to sit in that cold, catching frozen footballs from Jordan Love? I don't know who wants that. Like I said, unless Love turns around and like proves everybody wrong and has a Mahomes type like sophomore year. But I think I think the only way he stays is if the same thing they did for Rodgers. They're going to have to overpay out the ass. I mean, he's worth it. Yeah. But, like, they're going to have to pay. Like, he's going to have to be the highest-paid receiver in the league and I'm, by, like, a wide margin in order to get him to stay. Yeah. Or I think I think the other option, and I think this is a very, very long shot because it's within the conference and stuff. If they decided they wanted to do – to really go hard after either Watson or Wilson, let's say, next year. Yeah. I think that – that could always be on the table, too, as a potential possibility. That would keep uh, Adams around. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Abona, and it's time for a word from our sponsor, Fanspeak.com. Now, just because the 2021 NFL draft is over, most of the big-name free agents are signed, there's still a whole lot you can do over at Fanspeak.com. You can use the -the on-the-clock 2021 redraft tool where you can take control of your favorite team and fix all the mistakes you think they made during this year's draft or you can get a head start on next year's class with the On The Clock 2022 tool, which allows you to get all the knowledge you need about next year's prospects, get a head start on that process, so you can put on your GM hat and see what your team can do next year. So uh, let's get back to the episode. I think we're going to finish off with, well, we'll talk some other stuff too probably, but the last football topic for the week, I got uh, Bill Barnwell of ESPN+. Plus ranked his offensive weapon units and going to work every day. I've been listening to DCR and they've been talking about the different rankings of different positions every day. Mm. But finally, a couple days ago, I heard them do just offensive weapon units. So they were taking into account wide receivers, tight ends and running backs. Um, They said they did weigh wide receivers more heavily than running backs just because of the way they're valued based on contracts and stuff. So I kind of understood that. They weren't they weren't factoring in offensive line, they weren't factoring in quarterbacks. Okay. So this is just 
targets and running backs, basically, is what it equates to. So, at 32, and I don't think – well, this is a little bit of a shock to me because I would have put the team at 31 probably at 32. But at 32 is the Houston Texans. I don't feel like their weapons are necessarily that bad because their running backs are so good. But that's the thing. They have basically no wide receivers, no proven tight ends. Was it just Brandon Cooks is the only receiver of name there, right? Yeah, and that's – I don't know what he's at this stage in his career, like what he is really. He's one hard wind blow away from another concussion. Yeah. Um, 31 is Detroit, who I think a lot of people would have had at 32 because – I would have Detroit at 58. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The backups on the Giants might be better than Detroit starters. (laughs) The backups in New Orleans are definitely better than Detroit starters. Poor Je- Yo, imagine going from living in California to Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only positive about de- going from California to Detroit is at least you get to be in a dome, which unlike in Green Bay, you got to deal with the same thing, but you're now outside for it. So at least Goff can thank his stars that he didn't end up in Green Bay, despite the supporting cap, uh, cast being leaps and bounds better. Yeah, he's just with the organization that made the greatest running back of all time and a top 10 receiver of all time quit playing football. Hey, listen, it happens. What are you going to do? Matt Stafford loved playing there. No, Matt Stafford loved collecting checks. Yeah. He owns Ford, I think, at this point, right? That's how much money they gave him. It would would make sense. So uh, I hate to break it to you, your team, Philly, is pulling up the bottom two, number twenty nine, which I feel yeah. like, I feel like for their offensive weapons is actually pretty low. Because, like I said before, I think Smith is going to be elite. I think God is a really good tight end. I think Ertz has something left in the tank, and I think Sanders is pretty good. I know your other receivers are absolutely horrendous, like all time bad trash. I mean, for God's sakes, we found Travis Fulgram at like McDonald's and said, "Hey, man, you catch passes." <laughs> Come here. And he did. <laughs> Somehow yeah, he did he was, for a few games. He was damn good. <laughs> but they got you guys at 29. Another thing that really like irked me, and I'm not going to go over every single team on the list, but at 19 and then 18 respectively, they have the Saints at 19, which to me feels insane. I know Michael Thomas had a down year, but just having like Thomas and Kamara, like, how do you have them at 19? Yeah, that doesn't, when they're healthy, they're both all pros. There's no way they can be 19. And they have Murray, and they have uh, actually I don't know who they have on the team besides those besides those three. I know they lo- but, I know they they lost Jared Cook. Yeah, they have Taysom Hill, who insists he's a quarterback. Um, but yeah, but then Arizona at 18 was another one that I'm like, how? Because I know AJ Green is banged up and maybe on his last legs. But if he I is think, healthy, he's only expected to be their third receiver. I think he so, mailed it into Cincinnati. I think he's actually going to be sneaky good in Arizona. Oh, he might have. And I think having Hopkins is going to make him look way better than whatever he actually is in this case anyway. So he got a quarterback that could run. He has Hopkins. And I know we're not factoring in quarterback play here. But I don't know. I mean, again, you have Hopkins, who might be the best wide receiver in football. Having the best have, player at any position alone is, to me, hard to put a team that low. I mean, look at it, and it, it, it proves that it, it pays off. Look at the year Juju had playing with Antonio Brown. He had, like, yeah, 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns because they're triple-teaming Antonio Brown, and you're literally wide open. And, I mean, it's what, it's what the number three team on this list 
did this offseason, and they have number three. They have the Tennessee Titans. They brought in Julio to play across from A.J. Brown to free up Derrick Henry a little bit so they can't load the box as much. Like, They're going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, it's. I just don't know how much Julio has left in the tank, really. But listen, Julio played like eleven games and had like eight hundred yards, so he was yeah, on his way to another Julio season. That's true. That's true. I, Julio was bored, banged up. Julio being banged up doesn't even bother him anymore. <laughs> as long as he makes, as long as he makes it onto the field, I don't care because he was born banged up. It is what it is. But yeah, so Tennessee's three, which I I don't think is crazy. I think that is pretty fair. Considering A.J. Brown, like, again, maybe the best running back in football in Derrick Henry, although I still wish he caught balls. And A.J. Brown is great when he's healthy, although he's had some trouble there. And then now adding Julio to that mix, and I know they have some other guys too. Well, they lost John to a tight end. Yeah. I'll just give you the top five. Um, I don't know. Have you read the list or no? No, I haven't seen it. I saw some of the other uh, rankings, but I didn't see the weapons one. Do you want to guess who the top five are in whatever order? I can do that. All right. Tampa Bay has got to be one or two. Yep, Tampa Bay is number one. Okay. Um, the Cleveland Browns? Where You're right. They're in the top five. Where do you think they are? Four? Yep, exactly. Okay, so Tampa's one, and the Browns are four. Uh, well, that's a strong offense. Oh, the Chiefs. No, actually, they're not in the top five. Wow. Yeah. They fell, I think, just outside the top five. They're still pretty high, I think, on the list, but not top five. Oh, um, America's fake team. Uh, the dudes with the stars on their helmets. They, yeah, they the, I don't... They got, they got the old guy that uh, talks more than the, uh, the actual players? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how... I mean, I know they have a, a good cast of weapons. They have them at two, though, which to me seems incredibly high. That's ridiculously high. But they have him at two. They have Dallas at two. Especially if you're not factoring the offensive line. Zeke has declined, and Amari Cooper has clearly shown he's not worth that contract. Yeah. I like CeeDee Lamb. I think he's going I think CeeDee Lamb might have a better year than Amari Cooper this year. And Michael oh, Gallup's really I, good. I think he definitely will. And yeah, I think Gallup's pretty good too. But and they have Pollard. So they yeah, have a I, good offense, but I don't think they have the second best <laughs> offense in football. Well, it's offensive weapons. So again, it's taking out it's taking out the offensive line. It's taking out the quarterback. So when, I mean, when we talk I about that I, way, I maybe get it. I'd still put comparing... Tennessee ahead of them. I'd still put Cleveland ahead of them, and I'd still put the number five team ahead of them. Which I think you're only missing one at this point. Uh, let's see. Has a really strong offense. Uh the Bills. No, they were, I think, just outside the top five also. Oh wow. All right. You can you can tell me who the fifteen is. All right. Let me see. I closed out the article. All right. The uh number five was Minnesota, which to me makes sense with Thielen, Jefferson, Cook. Okay, I yeah. Can, I can see them being five. Who's, then they who's, had, playing, who's playing tight end for them now that Rudolph is gone? I I don't know, but they had somebody who took over for Rudolph last year. I think Rudolph kind of like faded and became their number two last year, more so. I don't remember. I don't remember who took his spot, but I feel like he was kind of playing backup to somebody. Okay, um, man, that, that kind of makes sense. Just some some more names down the list to talk about my personal team. The New York Giants came in at sixteen. 
which feels very low to me. I don't know. I don't know how much higher I'd have put them because I look at those top five and I'm like, no, I wouldn't put the Giants over any of them. I probably wouldn't put them over Kansas City. I don't think I would put them over Buffalo. But I feel like lower end top ten. Like that's as far as their say. weapons. Somewhere but, between eight and eleven. Yeah, that's that's what I feel like would be fair to even maybe as low as twelve. But because then ahead of the Giants, they have teams that I don't think their weapon. I think they're better teams, some of them. But I don't think their weapons are better. And they have Pittsburgh, who I don't think has better weapons. They have Baltimore, no. who I don't think has better weapons. They have Cincy, who I definitely don't think has better weapons. I actually think Pittsburgh and Baltimore have better weapons than Cincy right now. Then they have Green Bay, maybe because of Adams and Aaron Jones. I can maybe see that. They have Carolina at seven too, which was like another one that really shocked me because I know DJ Moore was way better than I thought he was, but McCaffrey's coming off a major injury. I'd probably put the Giants ahead of Carolina just from offensive weapons. I'd probably agree with that. Okay, so I'm not crazy. That's good to hear. No. All right. Um, but that's the offensive ranking, offensive weapon unit rankings. So. We're almost at the end. We got a few more minutes left. Should we finally talk about some basketball? Oh yeah, there was a real important basketball game on the other night. Yes, uh, a Greek guy won a championship. Yeah, the Deers were playing against some hot ball of lava or something like that. There you go. But the be- the best thing about the NBA Finals and the best thing about the Bucks winning the championship, aside from like personally me still loving Brook Lopez. Is- <laughs> Brandon Jennings just being Brandon Jennings through all of this. I have I just need to understand who told Brandon Jennings he was a Bucks legend. <laughs> he apparently is. I was listening to the radio and they were saying that like I think they had a Bucks beat reporter on and he was saying that like no Bucks and Six apparently has been a thing in Milwaukee for a long time because of Brandon Jennings when they were playing, I think it was the Heat that year. Oh no, I remember the like, year and we whooped their ass. But they were but they were saying that like even despite that, that apparently people in Milwaukee love Brandon Jennings and that Bucks and Six has just become a greeting. Like, you just walk up to somebody in, in Milwaukee and you just go, Bucks and Six. Like, how you doing? Sort of thing. So, apparently, Brand, Brandon Jennings is, a, like, a local legend there. Clearly, because I, I don't know if you see any videos from the parade today. He's oh, there, yeah. He was... He's there looking like Triple H, spitting up Coors Light <laughs> in the streets. He looked like Tom Brady on the boat. <laughs> He's out there having the time of his life like he contributed to the championship. It's it's really insane. What what did bug me though, and I said this in the NBA group that we're in, but uh, although I shouldn't probably speak about the NBA group. The, uh, this, is, this is a safe place. All right, good. So what bugged me though was be happy, talk, say you're the best team in basketball, do all that, celebrate, live your life, order your 50-piece McNuggets, do, do whatever you got to do. But when he said that, like, him winning the ring doesn't prove that he doesn't need a super team and this and that, it's like, technically, I get it. He's he's not wrong. He didn't need a super team. But again, can we just be honest and say that, like, the Lakers were super banged up. The Nets were super banged up. Like, the, the, the Hawks were banged up. And I know Milwaukee was when they played the Hawks, too. But realistically, we know if either James Harden is at full strength or Kyrie plays, the Nets win that series. And that's not just me being a Nets homer. Like, we saw it in the first two games there. No, 
I like, get it. You know, I don't feel bad for the Nets, so I don't care. No, of course. I don't, but, I don't expect you to. Like, no, I get it. But my thing is, there were a lot of injuries, but you literally could go back to any championship in history. There's injuries. Stephen Curry's oh. whole first championship, Kyrie and Kevin Love were injured. Kyrie being injured in the playoffs seems to be a reoccurring thing here. But anyway, we don't, we don't got the kind of time to sit here and talk about Kyrie Irving. But injuries are a part of it. So I'm not going to discredit the championship. The super team line, I smiled. It was beautiful because he knew exactly who he was talking about. Because mm-hmm. we, for those that don't know, James Harden said that Giannis has no skill and all he does is run up and down and dunk. Well, <laughs> Giannis mm-hmm. is an NBA champion, and James Harden is not. So, yeah. You, you know and your what super team and your skill can go to hell. You know what? I forgot about Harden saying that. that. That makes me understand it a little bit more. I forgot that Harden was running his mouth about that. I thought it was an unprompted shot more at Durant. But, no. yeah, now that, you, now that you bring that up, I could say I was wrong on that. Harden took two shots at him. Harden said that he didn't deserve MVP, and then Harden said he has no skill. So, Harden asked for that. Yeah, I guess. But, uh. Like I said, it just bothers me because, like, if they – and that's the thing, too. Like, if the Warriors just won their first ring and then didn't end up with more after that, maybe people would have said it was a little bit more of a fluke. Like, no, I still people feel like that Toronto, that Toronto win still feels a bit fluky. Oh, we all know that. We just hate like, Golden State, so we're going to ignore it. So, even, like, even LeBron's uh, – the Cleveland one that they beat Golden State – wait, no, 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 sorry, not that one. That was, that was Kawhi, I realized. But – uh. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, like I said, not that I'm saying you should have an asterisk next to it or whatever, but, like, you know what? If you repeat next year and you beat the Nets and the Nets have even two of the three at full strength the whole series, talk talk it. Like, talk whatever you want. You made your point. You didn't need the super team. Well, Durant Harden will be there. Kyrie need to be injured or out there fighting crime. So. <laughs> yeah, really? Kyrie, no, I still want the Kyrie for Dame trade. Okay, I want Kyrie one. to go. I want Kyrie to go live his hipster life in Portland. Live his best life. Go hunt for Bigfoot. Go look for the edge of the world. Go do whatever it is you want to do in Portland, Kyrie. We but spoke I about re- this the last time I was on. He's I, the reason I really, Kevin Durant is here. He's not. He's untouchable. Yeah, no, I know that, but you don't understand as a Nets fan how frustrating it is to have to root for Kyrie. Oh, like, I can only imagine. I said it from the beginning. I wanted him as the Trojan horse to sneak Durant in here because I knew Durant wasn't coming without him. But once he got Durant here, kick rocks, especially once you got James Harden on top of that. Like, (laughs) I do not need you anymore, Kyrie. Go get me another point guard who isn't burning sage and going to birthday parties and who shows up and cares about basketball. Like, because I truly think that when Kyrie cares about basketball, he is the best point guard in the league. One of the best players in the league, but I'm not gonna, Kyrie is the best point guard. But when he is, when he does care about basketball, he's really, he's really good. Yeah. But that's the thing; it's when he cares about basketball, and he does not care about basketball all the time, and he makes that clear. And I don't think you, like basketball even has to be the top priority in your life because we all take days like we all work should never be our number one thing, really, no matter what you're doing. I feel like unless you're a surgeon or somebody saving lives, maybe. Yeah. But, but. Just to like, he treats sports so differently than I've ever seen any athlete treat sports. Like the way he was just like, "Yeah, now I'm just gonna take a day today." Like he just call out the way you would call out from work. But like, the crazy thing is, is he's he started doing this like recently. Kyrie wasn't a weirdo in Cleveland. No, he really didn't seem like it. He was he was lovable in Cleveland with the Uncle Drew stuff. No, and, like, Kyrie was cool as hell in Cleveland. 
but it all, honestly, Car- Kyrie's weirdness started when he when he demanded out of Cleveland, and he did that episode of First Take when he shaved his beard. And he went up there looking like Langston Hughes. <laughs> That's when I started. I was like, "Yo, he, he, there's something off about him." And then since then on, he's just been a full-on weirdo. And that's the thing. I don't know if it's just that, like, racist fans in Boston, like, flipped Kyrie, too, which I guess is a possibility. That might be it. You're around racism but, for two – you're around straight racism for two years. Maybe it does change you. Yeah, and I would say Boston doesn't even do the, like, subvert racism. Boston is just like, we're going to call you the N-word. No, nah, yeah, we yeah, we're going to burn crosses on your yard, and you're going to deal with it. <laughs> like, that's, that's the Boston level of racism, which – not to get too into it, but I feel like, yeah, like I said, sometimes I almost respect that, where it's like, just don't hide it. Let me know what you are so I can avoid you. Oh, no. But, yeah, please. Like, don't lie to me. <laughs> you don't like black people. All right, cool. I'm going to just stay away from you. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like something flipped in Kyrie, and now I just, I really just genuinely don't like Kyrie, but I know that I need Kyrie. It's like, I don't want to say an abusive relationship. I don't want to offend anybody, <laughs> but it's an abusive fandom for sure, because... There is nothing likable about Kyrie or his face at all, really. Like, I well, you know, actually, that's a lie. I appreciate him bringing attention to Native American issues because, like, as a history major, that is one thing that, like, there literally aren't even enough natives left to be offended about things that, like, we don't take them into account the way we take, like, black people's opinions or women's opinions or any other, like, minority group's opinions. Oh, it's absolutely. Like, we had a whole football a, team for literally yeah. 60 years and because, nobody cared until two years ago. Yeah, because they, not to say they literally don't exist, but like they're such a small part of the population now. So like, I do actually appreciate them bringing attention to that stuff because like they need somebody famous to be a spokesman because they have nobody really as a group. No, but the problem is not that, the issues he speaks on. It's just like, dude, you're at work. Act like it. Yeah. I don't like going to work. And I don't get paid millions of dollars to shoot basketballs. The other problem, too, is, like, do that, but talk about the issues and go to work is the other thing, too. Like, But LeBron talks about the same issues, and he goes to work. Yeah, and Kyrie, and like I said, I I know people are, a lot of people don't like LeBron, and there are times that I'm not crazy about him either. Overall, I like him, though. But at the same time, at least like you said, LeBron talks and goes to work. Kyrie pulls this, like, weird, it's like, you, everybody knows that dumb smart person or the smart dumb person, like the person who's really stupid but wants to be really intelligent. So they find certain words or phrases or things that they could say. It's like it's like the people who jump online and call people sheeple because they yeah. don't know any better and it makes them feel smart. Oh, I, like, I, have, a face, I have a Facebook and Instagram full of them. <laughs> but like that's because that's really what that mentality comes from. It's a bunch of people who they need to feel like they're on the inside of something. They need to feel like they know more than everybody. So they're going to be like, you're just a sheeple. You're just listening to whatever. And it's like, you're just spouting stuff from a different source. But that's basically yeah, like, what Kyrie does, where he's like, no, you guys are just pawns. You won't get it, this and that. I don't talk to pawns. It's like, so explain. What is it exactly then? Like, but you can't explain it because you truly don't know. Like, you don't know why you're so bothered. And that's what really bothers me about Kyrie. He's just making it up as he goes along. And yeah. we're all stupid. It feels so disingenuous. Like, but, but the Bucks won the finals, which I, I picked the Bucks to win, actually, for the exact reason I, that they had no answer for Giannis, and you saw that. I didn't even watch at the like the last couple of games because it's weird. At the before this like the series, I really was 
I felt like evenly rooting for both teams because I really did want to see Brooke Lopez win a ring, and I really do like Chris Paul. So either way that would have gone, I would have been happy. But just the more that I like stewed on the fact that like the Nets were literally an inch away from sending the Bucks home, it just kills me that they won the title. Like, and like, is it good for them? I'm not. I'm really not taking away from them. Like, I think they deserve the championship. But as a Nets fan, it was so much harder to watch the team that literally you were an inch away from beating than a team who you didn't even play. Oh, like, listen, I, I can understand. It didn't hurt me because they, uh, the Bucks kicked our ass. So <laughs> it's, not like we, it's not like we were close to beating them. They whooped our ass. So um, I was like, good for y'all. At least I can say we lost to the NBA champs because they whooped our ass. Yeah, that, I, mean, I guess that's the only good thing to take away Like as a fan of the team. is like, yeah, at least, at least we took – and it gives me hope for next year because it's like we took the NBA champs to overtime in game seven. Like, oh, you don't need, with you a don't depleted need, team. Like, you don't need well, I don't want to say fully, depleted. When you're Kevin fully Durant, healthy, when yeah. you're fully healthy, you're gonna whoop. You're gonna whoop everyone's ass. Yeah, the and Bucks, I'm hoping the, the Nets, the Nets the need Bucks to come will, back with that chip on their shoulder next year. Like, the Bucks will be your only competition unless the Sixers trade for Damian Lillard. Yeah, that would be scary. But no, if absolutely. they give up, but if they give up Simmons for Lillard, then I don't know how scary they are at that point. But, no, they would still they would be scary offensively. Obviously, they're gonna take a hit on defense because Simmons yeah. is an elite defender, and you're gonna have a backcourt of Seth Curry and Damian Lillard. But they're gonna score 150 points tonight. <laughs> Good point. Uh, all right. On that note, I think it's finally time we call it a show. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for filling in this week. Not um, a problem, fellow barbecue the, bro. The barbecue bros, the first ever edition of it, sticking mostly to football. Um, do you want to tell everybody where they can follow you? I know you're not on Twitter much, but I am not. You can follow me on Facebook at Takeoff McFadden, and you can follow me on Instagram at Take underscore Off underscore McFadden. And don't forget to watch Takeoff Tuesdays, which will be back for the 2022 NBA season, where uh, I might get canceled. Who knows? All right, we're hoping he doesn't get canceled, but if he does, it's been nice knowing him. So. <laughs> We'll see you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Later, guys. Later, guys.